Introducing Internet in a Can. Have you ever had that bittersweet feeling of crossing paths with a special someone and knowing that if you don't act now, any chance you had to relate will be gone and lost forever? That's where we are, humanity as a whole, facing the web today. Despite common belief, the current state of the web is close to ideal. Not on a technical level, but rather its fundamental architecture. The barrier of entry is minimal, and there's this concept that the web is free and embracing of every human expression. This should not be taken for granted. In fact, there are very few things in life that can match this level of freedom. Our lives are mostly regulated, and people are channeled to expected behaviors. Corporations rule the real world, and under their reign, our lives have become comfortable and predictable. This was, of course, what humanity wanted, to establish order, and it's a task that corporations can excel at. That's why we've promoted them to leaders in our society and look up to them for guidance and acceptance. That's not to say that too much of a good thing can be bad. The relationship of corporations and the web started early on, when the internet became available in the open market around in the early 90s. There was no knowledge and no experience of how this relationship could work. Swift decision-making based on brick-and-mortar business practices fell short, which led to the initial dot-com bubble. For some time after, corporations reverted and the business world was convinced that there's no money to be made from the web. It wasn't until a decade later that the corporations revised their strategies and regained their ground and power online. Before that, there was a period where the web remained open. Developers were at the top of the food chain and making the web better was the goal. That slowly changed after one by one, all successful websites got investor backing and some of them reached an IPO status. What was considered a success of web startups was nothing more than the first step in privatizing the web. But before we reach that conclusion, let's examine what was affected from the involvement of big financial interests. Public APIs There was a time when any respectable service had to offer a public API. Hackathons would be held and endorsements would be given to developers that use these APIs in their custom applications. Data was flowing between services, and this gave the impression that the web was united in one big data scheme. This openness of web services has been replaced with a more regulated, more limited use of public data, with permissions granted only for specific uses by their respective parties. Services are closing down and the future of their public APIs is uncertain. From a business standpoint, they have become less significant, as enhancing the enclosure of a walled garden becomes the new priority. This new direction comes at odds with many advancements up ahead. When all our devices are connected, the so-called Internet of Things will require APIs to function. Similarly, artificial intelligence will require APIs to connect to data sources. If we have to support walled gardens, any of these innovations will be limited to a subset of the available information running on proprietary frameworks. The evolution of the web will slow down as we let corporations do what they know best create a comfortable and predictable environment. Open Source Developers have been supporting open source for decades, understanding that collaboration is fundamental for true ingenuity. Golden child of the movement has been the famous Linux OS, and even if the numbers show small consumer adoption, the public may not be aware that the Linux core powers many successful operating systems, including the Mac OS X and Android. For the web, open source has played a fundamental role in its evolution and culture. The LAMP stack was instrumental in defining its character, going head-to-head -head against proprietary server platforms that would have reduced it to an elitist medium reserved for the privilege that could afford the licensing costs. Open source powers websites both on the server and the client, 
with notable examples like WordPress and jQuery. Its impact is undeniable, and its dominance a sure sign of greatness. At some point, the business world made an innocent statement. Why would I invest in something that's open source? Since then, there's been an increasing number of advocates against open source. This short-sighted, uninformed opinion is in line with their walled garden mentality, but also reveals a level of ignorance how to deal with open source. Every new generation of entrepreneurs needs to be educated on the benefits of openness, as their natural tendency and probably education is to focus on property and ownership. Following basic conventions of capitalism, you can most certainly capitalize on open source. There have been many examples of companies that made a profit by distributing an open platform, and in contrast, numerous examples of companies failing while trying to support a proprietary platform. The grip companies have to their closed source has strangled many of them in the process, and that shouldn't be considered business as usual. If this totalitarian attitude infuses the web, breaking its marriage with open source, the internet as we know it will change forever for the worse. Information When the internet was first introduced, the tagline was the information highway. This implied the speed and the size of the information traveling online. There was no concept of a walled garden when all servers were supposed to exchange information connected on the same network. How did all this change since then? Slowly but surely, the information available online has been moderated through popularity, tags, ranking, and other metrics of debatable bias. Curated news feeds replaced social discovery. Promoted content replaced real content. At its core, the web is about choice, and our choice has been muted. The focus is now connectivity. But why would anyone care about that if what we're connecting to is a subset of what's available? Content is being fragmented amongst service providers, and the audience seems to be accepting of compartmentalizing and filtering information, treated as a shortcoming of the networks instead of a malpractice of the decision makers. Choice should not be contested, and it may be the deciding factor for the future of online business, and if they will fail a second time in internet history. In Corporations We Trust as closed ecosystems are reclaiming their territory online, it is our choice to defend the web in the pure state it is today and help it grow into what it can be in the future. The window of opportunity is small and we need to be decisive. Otherwise, the web we know and love might fade away into our memories and forgotten in history. No one can deny the right of corporations to exist online and the value they bring. But we can set the rulebook straight and keep the principles of the open market and fair trade alive. The evolution of the web doesn't have to plateau in favor of restrictions that will benefit the few. Or we can sit back passively and let the internet dissolve to a tradable commodity. Picture the marketing. Being online is cool, but sometimes you just can't get in when you need to. Well, not anymore. Introducing Internet in a Can. Now and for a limited time, you get twice the features at half the price. It's a steal.